0: Welcome to the second episode of Inside the Loop. This week we're talking to club legend, record goalscorer Ian Concannon. We discuss his time at Digcott, from a player, 20 plus manager. Uh, We get on to his trials at Oxford, Reading, Arsenal, his love of Manchester City, and most importantly, sandwiches. Hope you enjoy, and yeah, we meet Ian Concannon. first of all thank you for taking the time this evening to spend with us no problem There's quite a lot that i think we can get through so first of all obviously spent a lot of time as a footballer in the lower league and obviously a digcott club legend you know, one fa bars record goal scorer it can go on so first of all for, for those who don't know or even the ones who do i mean tell us a bit about yourself and your time at digcott and yeah and how you think it It went, really, as part of your career.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I've been playing football since I was five, to be honest. Got picked up by Oxford United as a kid at nine. Went through their School of Excellence from 10 to 13. At 14, I was asked to sign schoolboy forms, which basically stopped any other club from trying to to take you away. At the time... I was also had a couple of trials at Arsenal and they were keen to to sign me as well. But I wanted to stay at Oxford, to be fair. I've been there for so long. I knew you know, a lot of my friends were there. My, my, my dad at the time was said, you know, he's enjoying his football. Let's just see how he gets on. And he got to the situation where the then Oxford United manager, Brian Horton and Malcolm Elias and Maurice Evans came around my house, sat my dad down, sat me down and said, you know, we wanted to sign. And in the end, they... Um, At 13, they offered me a YTS apprenticeship, which at the time was, they'd never done that before. Put that on the table. So I agreed to sign schoolboy form. So I went through schoolboys, did my apprenticeship from 16 to 18. Loved every single minute, to be fair. It's uh, probably, it's called a scholarship now in modern football, but it's character building. It's, you know, you're in every day, you you train, you clean the player's boots, you do duties around the ground, and it's all character building. And it really does set you up. Went all the way through, played in the youth team, played in reserves, top scorer on the youth team. Won the Southern Counties Cup, which was... uh, a fantastic experience over over two legs against Coventry at the old Highfield Road Stadium. Um, we won 3-2 on aggregate and I got all three. Yeah, had a really good couple of seasons, scored lots of goals. Was very, very unfortunate not to be taken on as professional and um, that was a hard one to swallow. Drifted into non-league, uh, played for Oxford City, played over 100 games for Oxford City. Started off in their reserves um got into the first team. Never really had a proper decent run until Kevin Brock came on board and and really enjoyed my football there. Unfortunately, the club got relegated. I went to Tame with Andy Sinner, but Andy was blessed with people like Mark West up front, who was, as a youngster, for me watching, was fantastic. Well, the guy could finish, really could finish. Went to play for AFC Wallingford for a couple of seasons. Again, enjoyed my football there, scored lots of goals, Came runners-up in the combined counties. And then I moved to Avondon Town the following summer and I was made captain. I didn't really want to be made captain and wasn't really comfortable and wasn't really enjoying it that much. With about a month of the season in, did Cock calling and that was it. Over I went and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: It's a very illustrious journeyman career in that has been the nicest way of saying that. Tell you about to Oxford, if we can do. I think I've written down here, you were there from, was it nine till you left at 18? Yeah. Um, could you possibly delve into how come the professional career contract didn't work out at Oxford?
1: Football is a, a very ruthless game. Um, I can remember a, a vivid conversation I had with my PE teacher at the time. He said, you know, what, what are you going to do when you leave school? And my answer was, I'm going to be a footballer. It's as simple as that. All I ever wanted to do. And it was, you know, I did everything... I was asked to do, score goals. Wasn't the quickest, wasn't the strongest, but I could put the ball in the back of the net. A natural ability to do that. And I just think maybe that the manager at the time, Dennis Smith, maybe wanted something slightly different. Maybe he already had that in his in his first team squad. Yeah, nevertheless, it was a difficult period to, to be told as a youngster. Thanks, but no thanks. And it was right at the end of the season, opted to have been promoted to the first division. Yeah, I was looking for another club to have trials with. I did have trials with Reading, but a, a very freak unfortunate incident or accident happened which kind of curtailed that trial so um I drifted into a non-league but n- don't regret any of my time at all loved every single minute they, uh, they 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 made me into the person that I was um, nurtured me taught me some fantastic things you know turned me from a boy into a man and loved every single minute and um I don't have any regrets whatsoever
0: so put the tie into when we get on to when you were manager at DigCorp in, in a little while. What do you say about clean players' boots and that, that humbling like character building? There's so many pundits about modern day footballers now and what that kind of lacks. Do you want to? See, what does that take in the effect on you as a player, as a person, and then going on to management, even at lower level? What does those experiences as a kid playing with the first team around Brian Horton? It kind of
1: um, unfortunately Brian Horton um, left when, in the middle of my when I was a schoolboy, and in fact went on to manage my club, Manchester City. So it's it a it was a bittersweet. To be fair, I didn't want him to go, um, but then again, he went to Manchester City and um, did ever so well for them. Yeah, so that was disappointing. But part of being a, an apprentice at the time. It is character building. You know, you have you have certain professionals that you look after. You know, you get their kit ready, you clean their boots. You are paired up, so you look after jobs, whether it be cleaning the home team dressing room, the away team dressing room. You look after the the physio room, the coaches. The, you clean the toilets, you clean the showers. People might think, well, that's not particularly very nice. You know, how how is that helping you be a professional footballer? But it's character building. It's doing the stuff. It's starting from the bottom and working up, and you no know, grafting and nothing taking anything for granted. And you know, to be fair to the lads that were up there, you know, apprentices with me, Paul Powell he was an apprentice, he was my my year at school, me and Powley go back a long way and you know, we did it together, and it is character building, and it builds you up, and it and it tests you who you are as a person, and it sets you up for good grounding. To be fair,
0: imagine because I think even the thought of even people being like my generation now, eh? it's like a test of like how much do you want it. Mm. I mean, this is one thing at the moment; these boys are playing in towards say first division. Was at the time you left, that's like, obviously drive you on. And you so say you left, and you were captain, and you, you have offered captain, and you were quite uncomfortable with being off that. that. Why was that? Just not well. That was
1: I, I was I wasn't I wasn't captain Oxford United. I was I was captain when I went to play for um Amden Town. It's, it's yes. I have been captain for for teams that you know if the captain's been suspended on or, or you know not available. I, I didn't see myself as a captain, sometimes I felt it was, you know, I'd have to be on the top of my game to be, you know, dishing out orders if people weren't pulling their weight. And if I wasn't quite playing as well as I wanted to be, I would have found it difficult to kind of, you know, bark out orders. So it was a role that I was offered that I reluctantly took. Um, I don't know if it was a, a situation where they offered it me to keep me there. Again, I reluctantly took it and I really wasn't comfortable with it because I was captain for that every game for the whole season I would have been. I reluctantly took it. I was captain, but as I say, I was only there for
0: probably a month and uh, I moved on to well, moving on to Dickot. I mean, this, you don't have to be humble. It's a very impressive record, no matter what way you look at it. Two hundred eighty-three in three hundred eleven appearances. Uh, Hellenic Golden, um, Hellenic yeah. Golden Boot, uh, five years in a row. Obviously, FA Vars in two thousand and five to go with it. I mean, it kind of speaks for itself, especially when you get two goals in the quarterfinals against Berry Town in the once uh, the FA. Yeah, Berry Town at the Loop.
1: Yeah, yeah, great, Dave. Really great days.
0: I think we'll go obviously if it buzz a little bit in depth. But what would be your highlight of your career at Digicorp? That being um, the FA Vars. Yeah,
1: it, it, it can only be one thing: winning, winning the FA Vars at uh, at White Hart Lane. It, the only unfortunate side to that story is that, that Wembley at the time was being knocked down and rebuilt, so we didn't have the the luxury of playing at the old or the new Wembley. And I think over a couple of two or three seasons that the Vars and the trophy finals were played elsewhere, Villa Park, Tottenham, wherever. However, you know, to play at White Hart Lane. A very old historic football ground it was a fantastic experience and um, that is by far the biggest highlight of my playing career without a shadow of that and, and winning it and winning it as well as you did i don't think anybody can take that away from me
0: so what's kind of the build-up in the dressing room between you lot ahead of a final because obviously there's many people that have not played in finals or they're, they're supporters of teams who get to final but you and you know others in the team were very lucky to play in the final what is the build-up the week before the hour before, and you're turning out at White Hart Lane as well. So what is that mood in the camp like?
1: Well, I mean, the week before, we played in... um, We didn't win the league that season, which we should have done. Um, We missed out by a, an admin error, of all things. But we, um, the week before the final, the FA Vars final, we played in a League Cup final at Milton against Carston and we beat them 5-0, could have been 10. Uh, the build-up to the Vars final was just a typical, normal week for a non-league club. We trained on the Tuesday. Uh, we trained on the Thursday. We even, I think, we had a very light session on a Friday morning at the club. We had lunch at the club, and then we we got a coach down to the hotel. We stayed overnight. We had a, you know, we had a bit of a bit of a swim in the in the pool and the jacuzzi, and we kind of chilled out and didn't do anything unusual. But the build up to the game in the morning, the build up going to the ground, getting into the ground, looking at the pitch, team talk, it wasn't any different to any other game that we played in that whole season. It was a this is just another game. And the, and the team spirit and the camaraderie and the togetherness we had kind of said, you know, this is this is the side that's going out there today. This is the side that's good enough to win this game of football. And we just did our jobs. And that sounds quite arrogant as a group of players, but that's a belief we had in ourselves.
0: It's a juxtaposition, I suppose, where some managers prefer to say every game is a cup final, like relegation battles and title chases. But like you say there, if you just treat it as another game, I mean, is that quite difficult to switch into when you're looking at the stage and you're walking out and you're going, it doesn't feel like a normal game I think sometimes
1: it's, I mean, personal situations are different, but you know, for a game of that magnitude and the importance of, of what it would have brought to the football club, was there are players that would have had nerves without a shadow of a doubt. There would have been players that just took it in. I mean, I, I was nervous, but I don't think that was. I think nerves are a bad thing. But it, once a game started, those nerves are gone, and it was treated as. This is just another game, and to be fair, we had um, you know, manager at the time Stuart Peace. You know, we play every game as if we are one nil down or it's nil nil, whether it be if we've won the first half or you know we're losing the second half. So it was just another game, Jamie. It was nothing that was. It was just a very relaxed dressing room uh, for every game, uh, and we we went about it the same way.
0: Highlight of your of your playing career. You obviously developed a partnership with Stuart Bevan, who obviously moved on to Weymouth and then up towards the Football League with Wickham, 100-goal partnership. you gained getting 60. Just put that in there. Uh, how, how was working <laughs> with Stuart? Do you still have a relationship now? Do you manage to keep in contact? And how did you find your one-time sharp partner in high level of football league
1: to be fair when 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 Bev came over we had we had a, a few players that came over from the defunct the AFC the side so we had kind of you know a lot of players left due to the previous manager uh, and then the two sides kind of combined and it was the best of each side and it was just put together and it, and it just worked and then Bev came over just from the first training session from the first game me and him just clicked it just worked we knew each other's runs we knew where the other person was going to be we knew their strengths, we knew their weaknesses. And it was a just a very good double act that worked. Beth was a, a fantastic player. I remember Stuart Peace, the manager at the time, he used to call him the Wasp because he was busy and he was everywhere. You know, he could win a game single-handedly. Great ability, sharp, quick, strong, could score goals. Yeah, and a, and, a, and a delight to play with. And it was no surprise that he went on and, you know, went to Weymouth and did well. He went to Wickham, he went to Burton, went to Coventry on loan. It's no surprise he's had a good career. And I'm really pleased for him, to be fair, because he's a he's a really, really nice lad as well. And every now and again, we exchange a text to see how things are or you might like someone on Twitter and what have you and vice versa so yeah it's um, a great partnership I
0: want to kind of inter- intertwine that his progression up to the Football League obviously your ridiculous record which is including I've got down here 13 hat-tricks it's just ridiculous um, and, and I'm just I'm just wondering in, in part of your career did any clubs higher up the pyramid ever get in contact with you was there any move you wanted to happen or other clubs wanted to happen And
1: to, to be honest if, if another club had come in for me I, I wasn't aware of it at the time I don't think managers or clubs had to tell you if a, if another team was coming in, especially if it was higher. To be honest, there was nowhere else I wanted to go. I really enjoyed my football at Dickop. We played in quite a few changing teams, but decent teams, created lots of chances, played some really good players. And ultimately, I was happy that I had no reason to want to move because I was happy I was playing football and it, it was just the perfect fit.
0: So what would you say the secret to scoring at this level? Hellenic or now the southern level what would you say? To
1: score the amount of goals I have done in in my career I think that it's, it's it's a natural talent I don't think it's something you can be taught I think it's an instinct to be in and around a penalty box six yard box to be in the right place at the right time I've always said everybody in life is good at one particular thing and mine was putting the ball in the back of the net so it's something that I always had as a, as a kid growing up I could always score goals always did score goals but it's as I say it's just having that instinct I wasn't the quickest across the ground but I was a yard or two yards quicker in the head against some defenders so I would gain my advantages that way but ultimately I played with some very very good footballers who put chances on a plate for me and all I had to do was put it in the back of the net It's some people make it look difficult not necessarily a natural art to some people but to me it was and I was very lucky
0: I'll take you on to management side obviously you get the job partly with Jamie Heapy was when we spoke to Andy last week first of all a few questions in, in a row how did you get the job uh, is it something that you really wanted and felt at the time they could, well, make that difference and is something the career path you wanted to do was management to be fair
1: when, when I was playing for Dickot I always said one day I would want to be manager here and share that side of my career as managing the football club so that was kind of set for me from quite a quite an early part of my Dick Hall career. When we finished playing, obviously, sorry, when I finished playing, Jamie was still playing, and to be fair, could still play now because he's, he, he, you know, he, he's that good and, he's, and there's nothing of him, so he can still play. When it actually came to uh, the job being advertised, they went through a series of managers after Stuart went, some good, some bad. And me and Jamie actually went for the position. Hadn't had any experiences as managers. I'd been there with Dave Mudge kind of helping out with coaching. Then I helped out with Gary Elkins. So I had a little bit of experience of, you know, that side of things to kind of start my managerial career. Had an interview with the football club. We put our case forward and we didn't get it first time round we didn't get it. It went to Andy Warbridge, who I think the previous season had won the, the league with uh, with Wantage. So we didn't get it. So um, I went and helped Paul Bedwell, who was manager up at Milton, and really enjoyed my time with Bedders and, and at Milton. Fantastic little club and did the coaching up there and loved it every single minute. Then there was a change of manager at Dickcott, so the job was up for grabs again. So me and Jamie applied again and got it. And uh, yeah, the club was languishing. I think they were in the second bottom at the time. And the remit from John Bailey at the time was, we have to remain a Southern League club. It's as simple as that. So we, we we knew what we had to do, and we were confident of doing that, and that's where we—that's where it all started.
0: So, because not long finished playing, really. And I suppose when you're in a dressing room at any level when you're playing and you know the players you know how it works when you walk into first job as a manager you know you want to do this but you've not got the experience behind it what is the feeling is that instant respect felt or is that change of respect felt knowing you are the manager now or does some things take time
1: uh, I think a little bit of both to be honest I think it was I think we just need what we needed to do to start with we needed to there were players that weren't playing that should have been playing that were were on the verge of leaving. The biggest example I can give you is John Mills. Wasn't playing for some random reason and Dickock weren't scoring and he wasn't playing and he was about to leave. And the first thing we did was he plays, he starts. We changed the formation, we went to try and be a little bit more difficult to beat uh, and again, as an example, Mills he scored week after week game after game and we and we you know we went up the table you know we lost a few you know we won a few and you know we had some good good performances but ultimately Cop weren't relegated that season one masterpiece that we were very fortunate to get was the acquisition of Andy Sinner. Myself and Jamie, obviously, there's you know there's lots of games of football played there, there's lots of experience, but we didn't have the managerial experience. Andy became available. We had a chat over a beer down the football club on a Thursday night, remember it very well. I think my final words to Andy were this, and I'll let I'll, we'll let you go away and think about it and you know come back to us. His response was I've already thought about it. I'm in. We were we were chuffed to bits to get Andy on board because he gave us a different perspective on on games, on what Andy was responsible for. For the training, the training was varied. It was good. It was sharp, and he brought a new lease of life to the football club. And um, he was a fantastic acquisition and still is for Jamie that I do know
0: is there any future endeavours into coaching is there anything that you'd like to do further into to that management going forward
1: to, to be honest no the situation's changed a little bit over the last three or four years one thing I will say I thoroughly enjoyed being manager with Jamie at Dickock as I say it was always a, one of my things that I wanted to do um, and to do it with you know Jamie one of my, one of my best mates anyway was um, was even better so had some great times Unfortunate to miss out on playoffs got to the first round of the FA trophy got to the first round of the FA Cup live on BT Sport nearly 3,000 people packed in at the loop so in the space of two and a half nearly three years I think we accomplished quite a lot generated a lot of money for the football club gave Dickot a bit more of a, an external perspective from maybe media point of view and people coming to watch. S- slightly ended a little bit sour in relation to what we wanted and where the club were. You know, we wanted to push on. I don't think the club were quite, quite ready for that. Just we decided to stand down. I don't think now I would get back into to managing. I haven't, one, I haven't got the time. And two, I don't know if I want to. Quite happy to go and watch a game. Quite happy to go and look at a player. Quite happy to do a session. But that's where my limit would, would
0: finish. Interesting you say all that. Because obviously we'll go back to 2015 when you play to City in the first round of the FA Cup again you pointed in November 2013 so it's been just shy about two years and all of a sudden you've got BT cameras we have a League 2 side packed house how do you plan for that kind of game because at this level what is preparation to face fourth tier English side
1: our our preparation was going to sound quite boring but our preparation was it's just another game again. We didn't really, we, we wanted to try and take any pressure away from the players. We wanted to try and get their minds to concentrate on this. is You know, this is, okay, yes, it's a very big game and players probably won't play as big a games in the future, but it was just a game of football and we prepared it the right way. My phone at the time and the build-up to the, the game was just red hot. I'd finished one phone call from the, from the newspaper or the local TV and they'll be picking up the phone to another one. I had a random call, which I didn't know the number from, and it was Ian Dark from BT Sport. And, uh, you know, we had a chat about the game or what have you, and he was commentating on the game on the Sunday. But, we, we, you know, we prepared for it the normal way. We did stay in a hotel the night before the game, which was uh, very kindly donated by Aberdeen Hotel at the time. Uh, they put us up and we had breakfast. We stayed overnight and we had a coach company that, Donated a coach to pick us up from the hotel and bring us to the ground. So you know, for a one-off experience, we we had all that. It was a uh, it was brilliant. We got to the ground, cameras everywhere in the dressing room, in the tunnel. It was brilliant. The lads were excellent. You know, we were near lot half time and and did really well and um, had a couple of chances to score, but they certainly didn't just, uh, discredit themselves at all. They were each and every one of them was magnificent on the day.
0: I say, what was your personal emotion and feeling facing a game like that and seeing the players do themselves proud and do the town proud and um, rounding applause? as you come off? Yeah, yeah, did. Yeah,
1: I mean, from a selfish point of view, I wanted to beat Exeter, win round two, and then get Man City away in the um, in the third round. But obviously, that was a bit far fetched. But it's just just seeing the whole town come together. Um, to support the boys, support the club. Seven rounds, I think six or seven rounds prior to that, we were away at Wantage Town and a qualifier. We were 3-0 down with 12 minutes to go and I'm thinking me and Jamie have got a very difficult conversation with the chairman after this. He's going to be wanting to you know what is going on. A few wise substitutions later, big Jimmy Deville pops up and we, and we win 4-3 and then we go on this run in the FA Cup and we get through round after round and we beat some teams above us. To come from where we did at Wantage to beat teams that, you know, in the next few rounds that were certainly leads higher the lads deserve that fixture they deserve the draw and again they did themselves they were fantastic each and every one of them and to see the whole town well most of the town come out and, and watch us you know at the end of the game there wasn't a team talk I just said to them listen we're going to walk around the ground and, we, and, and take it all in they're clapping you because you've done ever so well enjoy it soak it in and that's exactly what we did and, and when we finished the game walking back towards the tunnel Exeter gave us a, like a guard of honour going back into the into the ground because poor Tisdale the manager at the time said to, to Jamie and I that you know you've got a good team you play some good fun. Football and you were magnificent, and I thought that was a fantastic touch and just what the lads
0: deserve. And obviously, that's just the fantastic, you know, highlight of your of your time in charge. And we won't obviously go into too much of a detail, personal reasons. And we obviously spoke to Andy before. He said due to say, what a lack of ambition following the FA Cup game, to potentially push the club towards the playoffs. Is, is there any time with regret that you any regret you have on leaving, or or how do you look overall? At your time in charge, did you achieve what you kind of set out to do? To be honest, we didn't.
1: We, we had one um, objective
0: to start with, and
1: that was we had to remain a Southern League club, which we did that season. I think we finished 10th. The following season, we finished 7th, which was one spot outside of the playoffs. So we didn't set ourselves, you know, we've got to get to the first round proper. The club would give us an idea of what they would like, generally based on along the lines of prize money. Didn't always agree with the figure quoted because it would have taken a lot. We just felt that after the FA Cup run, the money generated that the club earned from it to, to push on for that next level for us we were just wanting a, maybe a couple more players just to, to really give us that additional strength and depth and the club didn't see as though that was a, a, a worthwhile effort a few things behind the scene we weren't happy about and we felt our positions at the time were slightly untenable so we, uh, we resigned
0: we won't discuss other finances of clubs no. at this level how no. they run or just as any England yourself and, and Andy and just you know, maybe it's something slightly different.
1: Not personally for me. No, we did everything and more mm. that the football club asked us to do. I don't think they could have imagined when they appointed us that they would be. They would have got what they got. No regrets from me. I would say probably Jamie would say the same thing. So no, not not at all. Would I ever go back? No, that's a different me now. That said, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed my time being joint manager with Jamie. And I'm glad that we were managers. Achieved definitely a lot,
0: especially playing wise and, and manager with wise and
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I say that quite being being very fortunate.
0: Very fortunate. Who would you say the best player you played with? Oh I played dear, oh dear.
1: <laughs> I played with a few. I mean the, the Vars winning side is a is a is a very good side. Mm. The side after that that won the league was better there's so many Stuart Bevan at the front was, was brilliant to play with Bradley Ward in midfield I've never seen a midfielder score as many goals as him Andy Parrott, Jamie Heapy I mean there's, there's so many I went to Hungerford for three seasons after Dick Cop uh, another great football club had you know, won the league there won the league cup there played with Jamie Gosling what, what a player he is he was so there's, there's so many. If I had to pick my best 11, it would be a difficult one, but the Vars team would take some beating. I was fortunate. I played with some good teams,
0: with good players. Um, well, moving on to part of yourself, really, you're obviously a Manchester City supporter. Yeah. I mean, what kind of got you into City? Was it like your father? Was it friends or just the first team you saw? And what, what's no. the link fully behind it?
1: So the link is... That my my parents, my mum and dad are from Moston in Manchester. My mum's side of the family were red. My dad's side of the family were blue. Um, although my mum has, uh, has has long ago since turned to blue. And that was it. That was that was my team. Went to watch watch them at, all over the place with with my dad and my brother. And and that was it. Yeah, my dad was a City fan, and my brother's a City fan. My sister is, and and I am. And that's that's how it all started.
0: I've got so many questions because where I'm Luton Town sport myself. It's such a the word is stigma, but where. You're obviously have a historical club that isn't necessarily say as successful as their rivals, Manchester United, and then a takeover does happen and all of a sudden they're one of the most incredible teams to watch on the planet. Is there a pre Guardiola-esque era you prefer? Because obviously it's very easy to say, and obviously it is understandable. So what era do you prefer? The era you watch city growing up or the one that is now becoming this really beautiful team to watch it's
1: an easy it's an easy answer it it, it can only be the the, the Guardiola era because there was you know city from when i was growing up flicking between promoted and getting relegated off field troubles got relegated to the second division lowest it's ever been and i can remember on a tuesday night City played at Wickham and me and my dad went. In fact, we went because it was part of the Oxford City. They sold Jermaine McForan to Wickham as part of it. We got some tickets. So we went along, me and my dad went along, and City got beat on a cold, wet, horrible January night. That was in League One. And I thought, can it get any worse than that? And the following week was City's Derby for that season, which was Macclesfield away. So to be, I don't think it can be any worse than what it was then. Ridiculous change of managers, frequent change of managers they had to, to what it is now. So no, I, this is without a shadow of a doubt the best era that I've seen. And not only that, my, you know, my, my son is a City fan and he'll always be a City fan and for him to see this now is uh, is brilliant it was fantastic to watch
0: I think it feels rewarding in a sense where you put up with the club that you love regardless it is, they are struggling they are playing games that you just wouldn't imagine are regular fixtures and now you know they have a Champions League final in mm. just over a week's time does it almost feel real as imagine yourself as a kid being in so and so much time and being in a Champions League final you wouldn't probably believe it would you? if you're going back
1: to to like the late 90s Mm. You know, a European Cup final, then or Champions League as it was, 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 a, was only a dream. It was, you yeah, know, they do understand the division, let them get to a Cup final. So I, I, I just think that football works in cycles. I think teams and sides have periods that they become good, then get promoted, they have a good bunch of players, and then it can go the other way as well. So City have been fortunate where they stayed in the Premier League, they had a new stadium out of nowhere. They got taken over by the, the Arab owners and they've got a, a completely bottomless pit of money, which helps, obviously. So, you know, people get jealous and, you know, tie you with, oh, you're a City fan. You've been a City fan since 2008, have you? No, actually I haven't. But it's, uh, you know, whilst it's there and whilst they're playing well and winning trophies and and getting in Champions League finals it's um, yeah I wouldn't change any of that that is by far the best era
0: to watch Managed to go off or would you still stick to games in the Oxford area whenever you have time No to be fair
1: it's um, pre-COVID if I had nothing on at the weekend or nothing planned then you know I would try and get tickets um, and I'd go as much as I physically can whether it be up at the Etihad or if it's games down here um, I'd go quite a lot I wanted to go to the Champions League final but I don't think I'm going to get the chance to do that but uh, I went to Milan a couple of years ago I've been to, Je- I've been to Barcelona with J Amy and Andy for Champions League so yeah I I get a lot of games in to be fair so I'm quite fortunate at that one I just like watching them
0: there's nothing can beat watching your team home and away it's no, no better exactly, feeling. No, exactly um, that. Exactly. We have a few questions. Some of them, I won't know any context behind two of them. Speak about Paul Bedwell. He wonders if it's true that your father would give you a goal bonus throughout <laughs> your career. And he and he just wants to know how much it was, if it's true. Yes, he did.
1: It's it soon stopped after after a while. Let's put it this way, it would probably cover Bedder's pint and a burger. Or a kebab on a night out. Let's put it that way. You
0: couldn't put that any better if you tried. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, a couple more. Take it back to the FA bars quickly. Just purely the feeling of going on the cup run, the celebrations, and just the hangover after. I mean, how how was all that? You could remember it. <laughs> yeah, I can. Oh, I can. It's it's it's
1: not something that is a
0: a block. It's it was brilliant.
1: The, the journey over, the journey back was fantastic. Lots of lots of alcohol that night. Got or back on the, chairman, the yeah? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> chairman had a bottomless pit of money that night. Not. Yeah, it was good. We got back to the football club and I remember pull up outside and there was bodies everywhere. Bodies everywhere waving, cheering, and we got into the big function room at the football club and and it was absolutely heaving disco. Cut was being paraded around. Friends, family were there. Both bars were packed, and it was just a really memorable, fantastic night to celebrate. And uh, yeah, everybody had far too much to drink, but it was good. Well worth it. And then we had the the open top tour around the town.
0: Oh, excellent. How does that make you feel? Does that make you feel? I think people can be obviously humble, and some players aren't in, in every aspect. I mean, that must, regardless, lift your ego a little bit. Well, does it not or is it just you purely are yeah. revelling in that yeah maybe I,
1: I just think it was it was a really nice touch to be invited by I think it's either Dickot Town Council or the Mayor to be um, you know we had an open top ride up to the Civic Hall again the people were lining the streets and I remember it being a very wet day so you know we had an open top we were on the top we were getting wet but there were people in the streets with umbrellas, waving flags scarves. and that was another evening where it was a, a fantastic occasion appreciated by the Town Council and again we were well looked after and that was another night we then went back to the football club and carried on with the celebrations so we, we made our celebrations last for at least two weekends but it was, um, yeah, it was brilliant yeah, it was all part of, part of winning the Vars and being
0: part of that Who would you say your hardest opponent and forwards such like bogey team throughout your career? Did you just hate coming up again
1: we had a little bit of a problem playing against Highworth they won the league when we won the Vars we lost it on an admin error as I said before but they were always a difficult side to beat I don't think we beat them away they beat us at home it was always a difficult place to go and it's one ground that I never scored at it's, it's the only ground in the hell of the year I never ever scored at um, scored against them at home but not away And it was just I don't know what it was it was just we never seemed to get the result we wanted we won a couple of times but we didn't win as much as we probably wanted to so not Highworth I would say
0: got to come back out of retirement just to just a bag one there you?
1: yeah you need to just sign on for the vets and just get a
0: game at Highworth and just yeah. score and then, then just stop playing again that would be ideal we'll be in contact with Jamie on some episode at some point and I'll mention <laughs> that to him yeah. yeah absolutely yeah we talk about Stuart Peace the manager of the cup final what was he like to work under
1: I enjoyed playing for Stuart to be fair he was Pete Foley's assistant at the time. So when Pete walked away, um, Stuart was offered the job and took it. He was fortunate that the the better players in Dicott stayed. As he wanted for better players, kind of joined. He had a team that just basically was ripping teams apart. So we enjoyed playing for Stuart. said I enjoyed playing for Stuart. Didn't always see eye to eye, but that's because we both wanted to win. But I was there to score goals and that was my job. So yeah, we achieved a lot. Together and um, yeah, some players liked him, some players didn't. But he can't be anybody's friend as a manager. You always upset somebody. Professionalism just
0: sometimes has to get in the way, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly that. So yeah, no, no
1: issues with Um Good on a night out. Not so great with drinking too much beer, but can't have a walk can you?
0: Not at all. Well, we've got two, I think, very important questions to, to sign off. So, it's Paul again. He would love to know... I must have nothing better to do tonight. <laughs> yeah. Well, with this one, maybe. He does ask, between Istanbul Kebab in Digcott and the Hungerwood Kebab van, what, what are you going
1: for? Well... What Bedis hasn't told you there is that when he when we were at Hungerford together, again the social side of things there was fantastic, he would we'd be after training in the in the in the bar, we'd take it in turns driving, and he would have the Hungerford kebab van on speed dial on his phone. Now he hasn't told you that, has he? Oh, he's so not mentioned that one. He would shout over Connor's, what do you want from the van? And I would probably go for a kebab. And he would go for, basically, cheeseburger, chips and a drink. If you want to see somebody demolish a cheeseburger as quickly as him, watch him. But he eats like an absolute pig. Paul, you're coming on for the response. <laughs> the <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Hungerford, Hungerford kebab van was great, but the Istanbul <laughs> the Istanbul kebab shop in Dickot was good. Another level. I, knew, I know the
0: owner there, so yeah, I've got to be careful what I say. <laughs> i have to save face all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and yet Jamie Heapy He does ask I just love this one I just really want to know myself He wonders when well, he knows the answer First and all He he wonders if it's true Your dad once walked in On a team tour oh. With a Sainsbury's packed lunch
1: Oh dear oh dear Yeah He did it did Very true We were Oh god yeah Never ever Lived this down to be fair We were playing at Cheltenham Saracens My mum and dad And my brother Used to go everywhere um, Home and away doesn't matter where it was, I used to go. And on this occasion, my mum wasn't there. I think she may have been unwell that weekend. Anyway, my dad was. Dad came on the coach and what have you, and we were having a team talk, and Pete Foley was the manager at the time. Um, and my mum would always make me a pack of sandwiches. So when we got on the coach, I did go, I'd have, have a, like a sandwich, and that's it. Luke say, drink, the banana, and a Mars bar, all the time. I used to, lads also used to give it to me all the time, so whatever. On this occasion, I didn't get it off my dad, so I didn't think anything of it. Not a problem. Pete Foley was doing a, a team talk. There's a knock on the door. In walks my dad with a carrier bag, with a sandwich and drink and, wife and said, Ian, here's your packed lunch. Right in front of the lads, right in front of Pete Foley. And he walked out and I was, the lads were laughing. Pete Foley stopped his team talk and went, I don't know what to say after that. Let's just get changed. <laughs> so yes, that situation is very true. And when I got changed, I addressed my dad outside and I said, what are you playing at? Don't ever do that again. I've just been fine for that. And then when my mum found out about it, my mum gave my dad some as well. So yes, that's that's very true and very embarrassing. I
0: mean, I can't only imagine the roasting you're going to get for something
1: like that. Uh, honestly, there, there's a lot of banter and a lot of Mickey taking in a in a football dress room anyway. But to have your dad walk in and give you, a, a you know, your packed lunch in the same as your carry bag, you're never going to live that down. was it? It wasn't a sandwich. What was it? It was chicken, roast chicken and salad cream sandwiches. It was
0: pretty strong. Sound like must. Knock you off some banter a little bit. It's a, it's a strong choice of sandwich.
1: Well, to be fair, it was uh, it was always my my go to sandwich, and, and Mum knew that. And chicken roast chicken sandwich, bit of sour cream. But we're talking proper roast chicken from upper roast, not like Tesco's chicken. So it was. Uh, I'm just never ever lived it down. So what Jamie said is bang on, true. <laughs> Maybe
0: perhaps that powers 284 goals. You. You don't know. It's gonna be something in it, isn't it? Well, there you go. And, you know,
1: I think at the time, I, you know, I took it on the chin, so to speak. But um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was
0: slightly embarrassing. My question to you is: Will we see you at some games at the loop? this upcoming season is is that something that you're potentially going to do
1: yeah yes I will to be fair it is something that you know I would like to try and get to you know I I live in Newbury now so I'm not in the Dickot area but uh, my parents are still up that way so yeah absolutely you know I I look out for Dickot's results when when the games are on you know we want to see him climb the table we want to see him do well and we want to see him back to you know where they were a few years ago in the Southern Prem so yeah Dickot is always one of the first non-league results that I look for and um, I will definitely get to a game once the uh, restrictions have been lifted, and we can uh, we can enjoy things. Back to a bit of
0: normality. Well, myself included, I think we'll all be looking forward to to catching up with you at some point in the future. Great, thank you. We'll we'll let you crack on. Thank you so much again, Ian, for banging out with us tonight. No worries, thank you very Absolute much. Absolute pleasure. And we've we've learned a lot about sandwiches and football careers. So uh, <laughs> absolutely, yeah, yeah, Sadly, yeah. Sadly, the sandwiches sticks out more than some of the other stuff. But hey, go! You can't live with it ever. Two eighty four. What matters? 284, 284
1: and three hundred nine. There we go.
0: absolutely sorted well thank you Ian Concanon Dick Town Legend Player Manager thank you very much for your time this evening Jamie thanks very much I really
1: enjoyed it